Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, Raider Nation. Thank you once again for tuning in and welcome back to Just Pod Baby. I am Evan Grote. This is the Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsHunt.com. I hope everyone out there is doing well this evening. We've got some frigid temperatures going on right now in western New York. Down in the single digits, we've got some wind chill. Feels much, much cooler than that. But I have to admit, though, you know, living in western New York, we're, we're used to cold temperatures. We're used to bad weather. But it's been a pretty uh, mild winter here so far. You know, not counting the, the November storm that we had, which you all probably remember uh, during Thanksgiving weekend there where the, when the Bills game was moved. That was, a, that was a bad storm. And then we had the Christmas Eve blizzard as well. Other than that, though, we, we, we really have not had much snow at all. So... Uh, can't complain a whole lot. Anyways, moving along here, the Super Bowl is now set with the Eagles and the Chiefs. Both of the number one seeds get to the big game. Uh, it was a very disappointing NFC Championship game, I thought. Very, very disappointing. I thought that one had a really good chance to be a, a really ex- exciting game. I thought it was going to be a fun game to watch, but the injury to Brock Purdy just totally ruined that game. I didn't even bother to watch most of the second half. That's how uh, you know bad of a game it was to me. And then the AFC game was was much more entertaining. I wouldn't go as far to call it a classic AFC championship game, but definitely kept me interested from, from the start uh, to the finish. Now, I made the comments on Twitter that I thought Patrick Mahomes, he, he showed his true greatness, not only in that game, but this entire season. Um, and, and I know this, you know, listen, that's not a hot take. <laughs> we all know he's great, but, um, you know, I, I thought, and, and many people thought the chiefs could be a little bit more vulnerable this year, uh, when they decided to trade and move on from uh, Tyreek Hill, that didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. You know, many people may disagree with me. I put this out there on Twitter this week, but anytime you trade away, uh, a wide receiver, one, um, a player that is as dynamic of a playmaker as, as Tyreek Hill is maybe one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL. When you take that away from your offense and they don't skip a beat, I mean, that that's, that's, that's something right there. And, and not only did they not skip a beat, but Mahomes is most likely going to win the MVP and he led his team to a Super Bowl. I mean, that, that is greatness. That is greatness. And they didn't exactly replace Tyreek Hill with, with anyone of note. I know they have, Travis Kelsey there, who is pretty much like a wide receiver one, but when you bring in guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling and Juju Schuster Smith, and they drafted uh, the rookie uh, Sky Moore, who who really didn't contribute a whole lot this season. He had a couple decent plays in the in the championship game, including that kickoff return. But you know they didn't replace Hill with anybody, you know, really worth worthy of note um and, and so you know i gotta give some kudos to to patrick mahomes and, and as well as andy Reid. and i've said it many times before and you know i'm sure you guys know this at this point as long as those two are connected 
Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, then the AFC West division is owned by them. And, and, you know, Raider fans, I, I know this is a Raider podcast. We're sitting here talking about the Chiefs. I, I hate to say this, but Mahomes, he's only 27 years old. And so get comfortable because uh, he's going to be here for a while. And, and, and he's just, you know, he's got plenty of great football left in him. Um, now, speaking of greatness, the greatest of all time has decided to call it quits for goods this time, he says, for good. Tom Brady, of course, I'm talking about him, retired from football this year, or this week, I should say, uh, after N- uh, 23 NFL seasons. What a career it was for him. There was some hope by some in Raider Nation, maybe some speculation that maybe he could be coming to Las Vegas. Maybe it was going to be Miami, maybe even his childhood team of San Francisco. Instead, he decides to walk away from the game and, you know, no longer an option for the Raiders. Now, some people say it never was an option. We don't know that. We don't know what was going through his mind. We don't know um, if the Raiders were even interested. But, you know, it was it was an option that when you look at uh, connecting the dots, it, it, it certainly made a lot of made, made a lot of sense. Um, you know, that does bring me now to the Twitter question of the week. I put it out there on Wednesday after the news broke that Brady was going to be retiring. And the question is, with Tom Brady no longer an option, what is the plan now at quarterback? And, and many of you chimed in with your thoughts, and I'll get to some of those thoughts in just a minute. Also this week, I'm really excited. We have a guest this week. Uh, been trying to, trying to trying to hook up with this guy for a while here to get him on the show. We finally got him. Uh, we previewed the Senior Bowl last week with Thor Nystrom. Um, and, and this week, we're going to continue with the Senior Bowl conversation with Tre- uh, Trevor Sigma, who is a pro football-focused analyst. Um, he's also a, a host of a podcast for Pro Football Focus, along with Mike Renner, It's Just Football. Um, so I'm looking forward to the conversation with Trevor. He's been down in Mobile all week long, taking it all in. So gonna going to get my, uh, Trevor on the line to pick his brain a little bit, find out who's been playing well throughout the week of practice. And of course, I want to ask him about some of the quarterbacks in the draft. As I told you before, I want to get you as much information on some of these guys uh, as as I can. Also, we do have some some breaking news. It was breaking news as of Friday. Um, the the, uh, the Raiders did go out and hire a new coach to add to the staff. They're they're bringing in uh, Scott Turner, uh, former offensive coordinator with the Washington Commanders. Um, I have to be completely honest with you. I don't. I don't know a whole lot about Scott Turner. Depending on who, whose opinion you're, you're reading uh, on social media or whose article you're reading, you're, you're going to get some mixed opinions. I see some people praising the decision to bring him in, and I see some people kind of uh, you know dismissing the move, saying it's a it's a non-factor. So uh, be careful who you're reading. Go out there and kind of make up your mind uh, for your own. I'm going to dig into it a little bit more myself and try and try to see you know exactly who the Raiders are getting. Of course, he is the son of uh, former Raiders coach Norv Turner, who was uh, you know, known as a uh, coach who liked the offensive mind, who liked to run the football and establish the run. Uh, they're bringing in Scott Turner as an elevated in an elevated position to help uh, with the passing game. So that'll be his role there. Um, and again, you know, be careful who you're reading because there's a lot of different opinions out there on, on Scott Turner, but I wanted to get that piece of information out there to you. And then the other piece of news that is definitely worth talking about here is uh, we got a tweet from Adam Schefter around 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday 
that says the Raiders have granted quarterback Derek Carr permission to speak with other teams interested in trading for him that have also agreed to compensation with Las Vegas. Now, we had been told that the Raiders did not allow Derek Carr's representation to begin uh, contacting other teams. That does sound like it that is being allowed at this point. Um, but if you look into what Schefter says, he says teams that have already uh, agreed to compensation with Las Vegas. So there seems to be some confusion there on on maybe the wording because if you if you follow Vic Tafer of the Athletic, of course he's a beat writer with the Raiders. Uh, he tweeted out 40 uh, shortly after that that nothing has changed. This is just word scramble. Carr's agent can't talk to teams until they agree on compensation, which they likely wouldn't until they talk about the contract. So you have Schefter saying one thing, and then you have Vic Tafer disputing it. Um, some of my thoughts is, you know, I wonder if it's possible that there could have been some some compensation discussions had with other organizations that were kind of tentatively agreed upon. And then, uh, you know, they could possibly be, you know, tweaked a little bit or, or reworked after the organizations have had a chance to talk with Carr. Because one of the the big factors in this is the contract and, and would Derek Carr be willing to maybe renegotiate his contract a little bit to be a little bit more team friendly. So, um, you know, I'm not sure how you feel about that, but either way, however you want to look at it, it does sound like um, that if a trade is going to happen before that February 15th deadline that is quickly approaching, that the the ball's at least moving in the right direction. So uh, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about um, you know where Derek Carr is going to end up, whether it's going to be traded away to another team or if it's just going to be outright cut. We should, we should learn a lot more about this here and hopefully in the next couple of days. So those were some of the headlines from the week, and um, I do kind of want to go back to uh, a topic that I touched on uh, during the kind of the rundown for the show this week, and that is the retirement of Tom Brady and how that affects what the plans might be going forward. As you know, I thought he would be the best option out there for the Raiders if they wanted to go with that bridge route, uh, bridge quarterback route. Um you know, at this point in time, I think it's time we get, you know, we have to discuss plan B, right? What What is plan B? Now, me personally, I do not want to see Jimmy Garoppolo in a Raiders uniform. Um, and, and I have a couple of reasons for that. My first reason for that is, is just the money that it would, would cost, um, to make him the Raiders quarterback. I don't think he's going to take anything less than 15 or 20 million. I really don't. Um, and, and 15 to 20 million for, for Jimmy Garoppolo, is not a wise decision for me. Now he's a guy who who has been a winner throughout his career. Don't get me wrong; he's he's won a lot of games. He's been in a lot of big games, but he's also been surrounded by arguably one of the best coaches in the NFL with with, with Kyle Shanahan. He's uh, you know been surrounded by a lot of weapons. He's had uh, the benefit of a really really good defense, and I don't think he'll have those things uh, in Las Vegas at least not right away. So I'm not so sure that the money would work um, as far as the return you're going to get from the play of the quarterback. And the second thing with Garoppolo is his health. He just doesn't stay healthy. He's been hurt just so many times throughout his career. So, you know, you, you combine uh, that with with a high salary. And to me, I, I think the Raiders should definitely uh, try to stay away from that. Now, at this point in time, I think, and, and this is just my opinion, but I, I think 
as of, as of right now, I'd prefer Jarrett Stidham, you know, as the starting quarterback for the Raiders uh, next year. Now, the reasoning behind that, for me anyways, is that he does have three years in McDaniel's system. And I've said this all along that, you know, it's going to be a prerequisite uh, for the next Raiders quarterback to have some experience with McDaniels in his system. Now, he also will cost you peanuts to re-sign him. Peanuts. I mean, compared to the 15 or 20 million for Garoppolo or the 25 or 30 million that it would have costed uh, for uh, Tom Brady. Or I know some people are, are, you know, hoping for an Aaron Rodgers trade. You know, he's he's not going to cost you two first round draft picks. He's not going to cost you 50, $50 million, you know, of salary cap. So I, I think when you're in a transition period like the Raiders are from the Derek Carr era to a bridge quarterback and then eventually to your long-term option, I, I think it would be wise to save a bunch of money on the quarterback. It would give Dave Ziegler the flexibility to you know, uh, fill some of the holes and, and fill some of the needs on this roster would you, would, you know, with the salary cap that they would have um, from not having to pay a huge amount of money to the quarterback. And then hopefully you can also address and develop some young core talent through the draft. That that would be the plan. I heard, uh, I actually, I read uh, the interview that Dave Ziegler did with Tashawn Reed of The Athletic this week down at the Senior Bowl. And, and you know, if you haven't read it, go out there and read it. And Ziegler really talks a lot about his philosophy of wanting to really replenish this this roster with some, as he calls it, homegrown talent. Um, a couple of other thoughts that I have on this topic is, is you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are sitting there saying to yourselves, well, is Stidham an upgrade over Carr? And at this point in time, I would have to say, no, he, he he's probably not. Although we've only seen Stidham make two starts as a Raider, but based on some of the comments, um, you know, that his, his teammates uh, made when he was put into the starting role, I think that they would be okay with the idea of starting Stidham at quarterback. In fact, I recall uh, Darren Waller being interviewed. Uh, he spoke very highly of Stidham and, and positively of Stidham. Even even Devontae Adams uh, seemed okay with the idea of, of playing with Stidham. So, you know, they talked about him being able to really spin it in practice and, and said a lot of great things about him. Um, and one of the other concerns I know a lot of fans out there have is with Devontae Adams. And, and would he be happy playing with a rookie quarterback or a quarterback like Jarrett Stidham's? And I, and I think that Adams should have some level of confidence that he can be successful as far as his individual performance goes with a quarterback like Stiddy. Because, you know, they did hook up for 153 yards and two touchdowns. Um, against the 49ers. Now, I know it's a small sample size. I'm not saying that's going to last all season, but you know, it's, I would say it would give him more comfort than bringing in an outsider uh, who he's never worked with, who he's very unfamiliar with. So I, I think that would bring some comfort to Devontae Adams there. So again, right now, as I'm sitting here today in February, uh, February 3rd, I'm endorsing Jarrett Stidham um, as the quarterback. And, you know, but there is another part to, to this plan for me anyways, and that and that would be to have to find your quarterback of the future uh, through the draft. And, and right now, you know, I have the top four guys ranked as follows, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and then Anthony Richardson. And that, that seems to be the consensus uh, ranking for these four guys out there. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've been looking at draft boards and, and, you know, reading through some different scenarios, reading through some different mock drafts. And I, and I think the problem for the Raiders here 
um, is is the Bears are, are going to be shopping that number one pick. Uh, they've already come out and said it. They're they're going to roll with Justin Fields, and you know they're going to be shopping that pick to a, a quarterback needy team. You know, w- would the Texans like to move up one spot possibly to grab a quarterback? That that's a possibility. Does a team try to to leapfrog the Texans to get to that number one s- spot? Now, I see a lot of people out there suggesting that the the Colts would be a, a team that might might look to move up to the first first spot. Um, and of course, you know, I, I think the Bears would be more likely to want to trade with a team like the Colts, who are moving up a little bit further uh, than the Texans, because they could obviously get a lot more as far as draft capital in that scenario. Um, but it, it does look like, I mean, I, I could totally see quarterbacks going one and two overall. Arizona is another team you look at who's selecting number three. They also don't need a quarterback. So that could be another team that is looking to trade out and, and somebody jump in there and, and grab, you know, another quarterback. So if if the Raiders aren't going to be one of those, you know, two or three teams at the top of the draft, they could be out of the running for those top three quarterbacks. And then the other factor, of course, that has to be considered is is, you know, which players are actually being drafted. It's it's possible that you know, there's a team that may have Stroud over Young or, or Levis over Stroud or Richardson over Levis. I mean, you just don't know how these organizations have their have their draft board stock, uh, stacked up. There, You know, there's so many variables that go into this process and, you know, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss all of that. But I, I do know one thing for certain, if, if the Raiders are going to stay at pick seven, I just think they're most likely going to miss out you know, on those top three options. So, you know, don't be surprised to see them looking to move up. I, I think they're going to have to, you know, if they want to land a, a, a Stroud or, 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 you know, I don't think Bryce Young is a possibility. I think he's going to be the number one overall pick. And I, I don't advise the Raiders to move all the way up to number one. I think that would really be, uh, you know, giving away a little bit too much for, for him. Um, but, how how far up they are able to jump in the uh, you know in the draft could be dependent on what they're what they're able to get back in a trade for Derek Carr. So definitely something you know we, we need to be monitoring here. Um, and, and then last thing I wanted to get here to uh, before we get to our break is is just the responses uh, to the Twitter question of the week. And you know what is your plan now that Tom Brady is retiring and no longer an option for the Raiders? Some interesting responses I got this week. Some that I agree with and some that I don't agree with. But I, I do appreciate everyone who has you know uh, taken part in, in the Twitter question of the week. I've had a lot of fun with it myself. Let's start with uh, a response I got from the great Rossi Biddle. Uh, I hope I'm saying your last name correctly there, Rossi. Rossi's uh, down under in Australia. He's a loyal Raiders fan. Um, What he says is, scout, scout, scout. Uh, Draft your franchise quarterback in the first round for five years of cost certainty. And he continues on with a second tweet. He says, I would draft a rookie and get two others in camp, like a Stidman, uh, Stidham, excuse me, or a Minshew, Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania. That would be fun, right? To bring in Minshew Mania. I wouldn't be opposed to that. And made the best man win. So Rossi, we we thank you for the thoughts. And it sounds like you and I are, you know, on on the same page. Gotta gotta hope that the scouting department does the digging, identifies the guy that best fits. Uh, you know, fits their philosophy and what they're trying to do on offense, and then go and get them. You know, and 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 I think Rossi also brings up a really good point there about the rookie contract. You know, having that, having that um, 
cost certainty with the rookie deal. You know, it's a huge factor. You see what the Bengals have been able to do with Joe Burrow on the rookie deal, Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal. You could throw in Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, you know, the 49ers, what they're doing uh, with rookie quarterbacks. And then there was a couple other teams who made the NFL playoffs this year with quarterbacks on rookie contracts as well. You had the New York Giants um, as well as the, the Jaguars. So certainly there's a trend happening there with uh, young quarterbacks on rookie contracts. The next one I, I have for you is from Central Valley Raider out in California. He says, Jarrett Stidham showed poise in two games against two playoff teams, one of them being the number one defense. Grab Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner in the third round, load up the defense in rounds one, two, four, five, and free agency. Roll into 23-24 with a bang. So, you know, thank you, Central Valley Raider there for sounding off. And I would say the only thing with with waiting until a, a later round to grab a quarterback is that you just never know. You know, you you never know when you're going to be selecting in, in the top seven. You know, I mean, it, and unless you have fallen in love, unless Ziegler has fallen in love with a quarterback that he believes can be had a little bit later in the draft, I, I just think you have to take advantage of the draft slot that you currently have. I, and I know there's there's people out there, I've seen it on Twitter, that are suggesting, oh, just tank in 2023 and, and, and go out there and draft Caleb Williams. Well, you know, there's no guarantee that even if the Raiders have a bad season in 2023 that you're going to be in position to draft Caleb Williams. Right now, the Raiders could be in position to draft one of these top three quarterbacks. So this is the draft that you have to take advantage of that. So uh, that's just some of my thoughts there. Um and again, that was the Twitter question of the week. Thank you all again for sharing your thoughts. Keep them coming in. I'm going to keep the Twitter questions of the week going on. And so please keep your responses coming in. I, I love you know chatting with you guys and, and getting some of your opinions on some of these different topics that are going on within the Raiders. All right, guys, time for me to get to a break. Don't go anywhere. When I return, we'll be talking Senior Bowl and other draft-related topics with pro football focus analyst Trevor Sikama. Just Pop Baby coming right back at you. Nation, we're back. Segment number two, Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. Please, before we go on anymore, stop the show, click the subscribe button. Do me that favor, please. We're on the off-season schedule now, so all of your new shows come out on Friday evening, and that will be the schedule going forward here during throughout the off-season. You can also follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 Make sure you are a part of the Twitter questions of the week. You have to be following me on Twitter to see the questions, so make sure you please do that for me as well. We are going to go out to the phone lines now. We're going to talk some Senior Bowl, a little bit of draft as well. We're going to say hello to pro football focus analyst Trevor Sigma, host of the It's Just Football podcast with his co-host Mike Renner. Trevor, we're happy to have you on the line joining us this evening. We appreciate you making some time for us to talk some football. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Let's jump right into this. This is, of course, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, so I do want to get into some of the quarterbacks in this year's draft. But before we do that, I know that you you spent the week down in Mobile covering the Senior Bowl, so let's start there. As you know, defensive coordinator for the Raiders, Patrick Graham, is the head coach of the national team, and I've been saying this, you know, for the past couple of weeks. I think it's a good thing that he's been able to spend some one on one time, get some up close and personal time with some of these prospects and players down there in Mobile, just to kind of get a little bit of a head start. Now. I 
I know that Raider fans are hoping that it pays off come draft time, but I'd like to get some of your thoughts on that and the advantage that it could give the Raiders uh, during the draft. Oh, no, it's huge. Yeah, you know, I think that any any coaching staff that gets down there, it's a little bit different this year because it's not full team staffs at the Senior Bowl. That was what they did for the Shrine Bowl, and they kind of had a handful of assistants take over uh, for, for Senior Bowl practices. But it's huge to get that hands-on experience, right? Because as much as it is valuable to go down and evaluate what these guys are able to do against new competition, you know, getting new playbooks, how confident they're going to look down in Mobile for the first time in a new environment, when you are the one teaching them something and you get to see how they are how they are learning from that teaching, how quickly they pick it up, how quickly they can gain confidence with it, all that stuff. That is really big. That's big time. So it, it, it's not just cool for fans to say like, oh, you know, look, our, our coaching staff or a couple of guys from our staff, uh, they were able to get their hands on some players and really um, get to teach them at the senior bowl. It is a major difference maker, especially with guys who are on the board. And you're, you're certainly going to see, I don't want to say a little bit of bias, but I'll just say a preference towards players that they might already know how someone adapts to their teaching, how well they pick things up. And th- those are the little X factor parts of a scouting report that could be all the difference in the world for a guy getting selected or not. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you there. And uh, what I want to do now is I just want to go through a, a couple you know, Raiders needs. There's a lot of needs on this Raiders team. Um, we'll start with the offensive line first. They could use a right tackle. They could also use a guard as well. Uh, who were some of the offensive linemen that you thought had a good week of practice and really helped out their draft stock? Yeah, specifically, there's two right tackles that I thought did really well. Dewan Jones is the first one from Ohio State. You know, he's he won the week even before practice started with the measurements six foot eight, three hundred and seventy five pounds. I mean, they just don't make him as big as he is. And and he's he played really well for Ohio State this past year. I thought that he was more of just a big body in years years prior. wasn't really able to have consistent success, but I thought he really took a step forward this year for Ohio State, which was great to see in a full-time right tackle role. And, man, when he got into Mobile, Alabama, he only practiced one week, and or sorry, one day. And the reason why he only practiced one day is because he, he was that good. He was that dominant. He didn't even feel like he needed to put anything else on tape. So whether it was run blocking or pass protection, it felt like nobody could get the better of his size, the length, um, the overall weight, everything. When it came to uh, run blocking, he was able to anchor and push really well, pass protection too. I think the footwork needs a little bit of work, as you would expect with anybody who is that large of a human being. But he was great. I think that uh, Darnell Wright as well, the offensive tackle from Tennessee, he was also a right tackle this past year, and I thought he played really well. Very battle-tested guy, played against some of the best pass rushers in the SEC, and I thought he played really well. He's another dude that brings a lot of strength to his profile. I think he's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker right now. But, man, I love the mentality that he just brings to offensive line play. He's not somebody that's going to let edge rushers come into him first. I mean, he's going to be the one to extend that hand, get his hands out, punch you, dictate the contact. And sometimes, as we saw in the Senior Bowl this past week, that makes all the difference in the world. And he had a handful of really nice reps when it came to the one-on-ones and the scrimmages. So those two guys, I think, really stood out from the right tackle perspective. There's a lot of good interior players. You know, Osiris Torrance is the guy that everybody potentially talks about as a first-rounder, massive dude from Florida who is, uh, who's, I think, a, a starting offensive lineman in this league. A guy that really intrigued me is Cody Mock. He's a former offensive tackle from North Dakota State, but they were playing him a lot in uh, inside at guard. And 
he's got to gain a little bit of weight, but I actually really loved how he was able to redirect his hands and how he was able to anchor at a little bit lighter of a weight. I think when you put a little bit of extra pounds on him, he's going to perform really well. So those are four guys that just kind of come to the top of my head when you talk about offensive guards and offensive tackles that uh, that the Raiders could could be targeting. Uh, what about the other side of the line? Let's talk about some of the defensive tackles. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, Benton out of Wisconsin. What did you see from him that you liked and and from any of the other defensive tackles for that matter? Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, Benton was one of the best interior defensive linemen on the week. I had him as my favorite guy that I watched from that group on either side for the senior bowl. You know, he played at Wisconsin and, and as a mainly a pr- run defender to get on the field in his first couple of years. I watched an interview of his and he talked about how he really wanted to go into this past season working on his pass rushing. He wanted to be a full-time defensive lineman. He just, he didn't want to just be a run stuffing nose tackle. He wanted to be a guy that you could play anywhere from zero tech all the way to three. Uh, and he wanted to be somebody who could rush the passer. He definitely got better as the year went on. And he, I think he, he did a great job this past week as well. The fast, violent hands, he's got a nasty rip move a nasty swim move to him as well and so he's really starting to all put it together i really like him Adetamiwa Adebuare from northwestern is another defensive lineman who man he's just got such a unique build and he performed so well this past week he's about six foot one so he's just a little bit smaller in size but because of that he gives you that natural leverage right he's a guy who can get down deep into his stance and at the snap he can pop up keep that main that leverage that good pad level to really get up and underneath interior offensive lineman but then the arm length the arm, the wingspan of his is six foot ten. So he's a six foot one guy with a six foot ten inch wingspan, and that that gave interior offensive lineman fits all week long because when he hits you with that good leverage, then when he got to extend those hands, a lot of separation came, and he was able to dictate dictate a lot of reps that way. So uh, Adetamiwa Adabuare from Northwestern, that's another name to know for sure. Yeah, I was really impressed with Benton myself from the from the bit of the coverage that I saw. Really impressed with the, the hand usage there that that you mentioned. Um, l- let's jump back to the secondary a little bit. You know, the Raiders they experimented with a with a trade last season uh, to bring in Rocky Asin. Uh That didn't work out as well as they would have hoped for. They tried moving Nate Hobbs, who had a really good rookie year in the slot. They tried moving him to the outside corner this year, and I thought he struggled there. So I, I think the Raiders need to find a reliable cornerback uh, in the draft this year. Was there anyone down at the Senior Bowl that Raider fans should be keeping an eye on? Oh, a ton. And, and look, it, it's a good year to need a corner. That To me, this is the strength of the entire class, whether it was a Senior Bowl guy or not. There, you're you're going to be able to get a starting corner within the first two rounds in so many different spots, I think. I really liked what I saw from Darius Rush, the corner from South Carolina. A lot of people talk about his teammate Cam Smith, who I think is also good, but Rush really did a great job of showing um, how he never panics when he maybe loses a rep immediately off the snap. He's just somebody who's never panics, is able to focus in on where wide receivers are going to go. He can read the hips, he can read the shoulders, and he can often undercut some routes. He got his hand on uh, a couple of interceptions, I think, earlier this week, and Lady had the most forced incompletions of any corner uh, that was there. Tyreek Stevenson from Miami is another guy who I think is moving up draft boards who performed really well this past week in Mobile. Julius Brents from Kansas State is a big guy, six foot three, two hundred pounds. So if you like those longer corners, he's somebody that you got to have on your radar. I thought he had a fantastic week as well. So I, those are the first three that kind of come to my mind that I watched a lot of this week that really stood out in the best ways. You know, I got one more for you on the Senior Bowl before before we move on to to, to another topic. And I, I just kind of was thinking about this. Do you think there's 
too much value placed on 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 senior bowl performances uh when when players are drafted or or do you think that um you know you you, you don't think that's the case yeah sometimes right i i mean it's it is a piece of the puzzle, but it is not the entire puzzle, right? And even throughout my scouting career, I've had to kind of learn that lesson sometimes on both ends of the spectrum. I remember when, for example, Nathan Shepard, he was coming out of Fort Hay State, ends up going to the Senior Bowl and dominates. You know, Fort Hay State, you go, okay, not playing against the best competition. Sure, his tape looks phenomenal, but what's he going to be like against you know, pro-caliber players? And when he came to the Senior Bowl and absolutely eight guys alive, I was – I was in love with him as a prospect, and I ended up having him as a top 20 player that year. And Nathan Shepard, he's still around. He's still with the New York Jets, but obviously not a top 20 kind of caliber player. And so that was a year when I had to kind of reevaluate how I looked at the senior bowl and went, okay, yes, it's a useful tool, but it, 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 it should not matter more than what you've seen on tape from these guys. It is a little piece of the puzzle, especially if you view it in chronological order, right? Keanu Benton's a great example of this. You saw Keanu Benton get better at pass rushing as the year went on. And then I feel like this past week of the Senior Bowl, you saw maybe the best version of that in a lot of different ways. So that tells you that he is truly getting better, progressing as a pass rusher. In that regard, it goes in line with what you saw for the tape, and you can believe in that type of progress. So that's kind of how you have to look at the Senior Bowl. It's just a small piece of things. It's not the entire picture, but um, it definitely has a place in the evaluation process. Our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Trevor Sigma, a pro football focus analyst. Trevor, let, let, let's shift gears slightly. I want to move away from the Senior Bowl discussion and, and get into some more uh, specifics on the draft. Um, overall, I know it's a little bit early in the process. They still have um, pro days and, and combine and whatnot, so there's going to be a lot of things changing. But uh, what is your overall assessment of the class? I know you mentioned cornerback is, is one of the strengths of this year's class, but what's the overall health of, of this year's draft look like? Well, I don't know. Obviously, nobody knows exactly how it's going to play out, but there's certainly reason to believe in, I would say, these top four guys that we have in this class, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis. There are things about their game that, that you can really fall in love with. You know, when it comes to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, they're high tools guys. That production wasn't there in college. They were not as consistent as they have needed to be. But, you know, as everybody knows, you're not drafting finished products right you are drafting players sure right right where they are and you have to be aware of that but you have you naturally think they're going to improve they're going to get better especially if they show signs of that and so those are guys who have really high ceilings that could potentially achieve that cj stroud i felt like a lot of his a lot of his scouting report was great you know i, I big dude pocket presence player has a good arm really productive player over the last couple of years at ohio state but he really didn't deal with pressure very well. And that's tough to draft high if a guy really doesn't deal with pressure because it's, you know, it only gets tougher in the NFL. But you look at his final game against Georgia, that was the best game that he ever played. And it was arguably the game in which he faced the most pressure. So I think that that was a good sign for him. There's plenty of reason to believe in that. And then certainly there's going to be a lot of people who, who look at Bryce Young and say, hey, you, know, you can't draft a quarterback that small. He would be such an outlier for success. But he has been such an outlier for success. He already has been. He's proved it in college football. He's been the best player in college football over the last two years, I think. And so uh, it's just, there's a lot of different reasons to get excited about these four guys. And I, I really do believe that we'll probably get all four of them off the board somewhere in the top 12. Well, you know, staying with the quarterbacks, um, how do you how do you stack this this, let's say, top five, you know, 
prospects from this year's quarterback class with, with quarterback classes of the past? I, I would say that it's it's less solidified. Like there, there are less of sure things, right? Because I talked about things that, that you like from these quarterbacks, but there are also aspects of their game that hold you back from really investing in them. Like, for example, you go back to Joe Burrow's year. No doubt about it, he was going number one overall, right? I mean, like, the, you, you were just going to run that pick in. You weren't going to think twice about it. And, and that's a kind of a player who – it was just a no-brainer. And he's been fantastic since. I don't know if there's a no-brainer player because he, even as much as I love Bryce Young, he is still smaller. Is he going to be able to attack over the middle of the field from the pocket consist, as consistently as you want to at the NFL level? I think that he was able to do it at Alabama, but I think a lot of his strengths were outside of the pocket, whether it was on um, design rollouts or scramble plays or him just throwing to the sideline. And he was able to do all those things very well, but it comes with a little bit of doubt. And so I would say that the allurement of this class is still very, very high. But in terms of maybe other years where, you know, an Andrew Luck or a Joe Burrow, like I said, or, or whatever it's been, those guys were seen as surefire, no doubt about it, don't think twice players. I don't know if there's a quarterback for as much as I like them. I don't know if there's a quarterback that's like that in this class. Interesting stuff. Now, I was listening to your, your show today with Mike Renner, and, and you guys did your post-Senior uh, Bowl mock draft. You had quarterbacks. Bryce Young and, and uh, C.J. Stroud going one and two overall. Mike made the choice for the Raiders by selecting Will Levis. Uh, what, what's the ceiling for a guy like Levis, and do you have a good NFL comp for him? No, I don't have a great comp for him. I mean, I mean everybody, everybody likes the you know like a Josh Allen comp, right? Because you know the stats weren't as good as as maybe they should have been. He wasn't as consistent with the accuracy, but he's got the absolute howitzer of an arm, right? He's a guy who's got a little bit of mobility to him too. He's got that toughness to him. So I think a lot of people naturally gravitate towards Josh Allen, but I I don't want to force that comp on it. The ceiling is there with Levis though. He does present a lot of the tools that you would want to see from a quarterback, but he just doesn't, he hasn't operated as much under a, under a clean pocket as successfully as I feel like you have wanted to. Now, I will say this about Levis. His supporting cast has not been ideal over the last two years, especially this past year. He did not have anywhere close to an NFL caliber receiving room. It was hard to elevate the group that they had there. The offensive line wasn't great. The running back room was not uh, as successful as it had been in years past. And so Levis truly, it felt like he was on his own in a lot of ways. Now, does that you know, forgive all of the uh, shortcomings that he showed this year? No, of course it doesn't. He he plays a big role in that as well. But as you look to him as a pro, you know, as a potential top 10 overall pick, you bet on those traits. And you've you got to have faith in your coaching staff to get more consistency out of them. And, you know, if we go back to the Josh Allen comparison, it took Josh some time, right? Shoot, you even look at this past year, we've got a uh, stat over pro football focused called turnover worthy plays, which is what we think is a, a more contextualized view at turnovers instead of just raw interceptions that sometimes are a quarterback's fault. Sometimes you're not, but a turnover worthy play, I think is something that always you could put on the quarterback, at least mostly Josh Allen. He led the NFL in big time throws, but he also led the league in turnover worthy plays. And so for as much as like you look at Josh Allen, and he had an MVP season. That's also just kind of the quarterback that he is. Maybe that's going to be the same with Levis. Is that something that you can live with, the successes and the failures, the ups, the downs, all of that? So I, he's just going to be a fascinating case in this quarterback class. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely a fascinating player. Uh, one more fascinating player that I want to ask you about is Anthony Richardson. Again, a guy who, you know, we talk about high ceiling, uh, a lot, a lot of intrigue there with him. What, what's some of your thoughts on him? 
Yeah, I, I really do like Anthony Richardson's ceiling. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about Richardson in the same light as a Malik Willis from last year, right? You, you talk about the, the, the deadly mobility, how fast they are, how much they can be a weapon with their legs, uh, big arm talent, guys that can make all the throws everywhere, throwing it deep down the field, throwing it with velocity, all that good stuff. But people say, well, well look at Malik Willis was a third-round pick. Right, Malik Willis could barely even get on the field his first, his first year. So why are we talking about Anthony Richardson in the top 15? Well, I do think they're different prospects. I think that Anthony Richardson, as a first-year starter this past year, could operate from a clean pocket better than Malik Willis could when he was coming out. I think when you look at Malik Willis and you said to yourself, all right, if the footwork gets cleaned up, you know, if he, if he knows where to look with the ball, if the timing is better, um, if he doesn't get happy feet or if he isn't feeling ghosts in the pocket, like if, 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 then he can be a complete quarterback and a starting quarterback in the NFL. For Anthony Richardson, it's not as much imagination. It's not as much of an if. We've seen him play very well from the pocket. We've seen him be calm, cool, and collected and deliver a really great ball from the pocket in between the tackles. We just didn't see it enough right the accuracy score was still lower than you would have wanted it to be and he is still improving there but it was his first year as a starter you just want to see what you've already seen from Anthony Richardson a little more consistently right and that's when you really get a great prospect somebody worth investing in but the talent is there for him I think that he is much further along than Malik Willis was as a prospect and that's why you're gonna you're gonna see him go a lot higher than Malik did yeah, it's certainly the uh, number one concern on the minds of Raider fans right now is, is who's going to be you know, the future at quarterback uh, for the organization. But Trevor, we thank you so much for the time. Please make sure, guys, if you're looking to get your draft coverage here, get all prepped up for the draft. Give give Trevor a, a follow on Twitter, at Tampa Bay Trey. Also, get your subscription to Pro Football Focus. I have mine. I love it. A lot of great content there. Trevor, we thank you for the time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, my friend. Anytime. All right, there he goes, Trevor Sigma, pro football uh, focused analyst and really on top of the draft. Really great coverage. Go out there and give him a follow on Twitter. And, you know, of course, I think the the big takeaway from our conversation there uh, has to be the Will Levis uh, discussion and insight. And he had a lot of good stuff there to say uh, about Levis, the comparisons to Josh Allen, you know, who knows? I mean, that that's that's a pretty good comparison there that he was giving us. But I do think it makes a lot of sense because I remember a lot of the comments coming out of college about Josh Allen was, you know, did he reach the potential that they thought he was going to when he came back for, I believe it was his senior year at Wyoming, was not a real accurate passer. They, they didn't think that he would be able, be able to improve you know, the completion percentage at the NFL level, which he has been able to do here. Um, so I, I do get similar vibes uh, from uh, Will Levis that I got from, you know, a Josh Allen. Uh, will he make that rise, like, you know, that jump like Allen did? And that's that all goes back to coaching. You know, you, that and that's a big if right now because I know there's a lot of people out there that doubt, you know, the coach right now. And so can he develop a guy who has all those tools like a Will Levis, but certainly very, very intriguing to, to you know, to hear the comparisons uh, of a Josh Allen. Okay, guys, another show down in the books. As always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation with our guest this week, Trevor Sigma, for his time and his insight. Give him a follow on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. You can plan on hearing from me again next week with a brand new show for you Friday evening. And until then, everyone, have a great weekend. 
And as always, just win, baby.